This Student Ministry 127 podcast is a lesson taught by Brother Kerry Schmidt during a Wednesday night teen Bible study. Brother Schmidt has served as an assistant pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church for over 20 years, where he oversees the student and music ministries. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. Job chapter 2, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect that doesn't necessarily mean sinless, uh, but a perfect man. And what kind of man? Say it again. Upright man. One that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his what? His integrity. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Job 31. This should be in your outline uh, as well. And you don't have to turn to it. Just look at your outline. Job is speaking, and he says, Let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine, what? My integrity. So God describes Job in Job 2, 3 as an upright man. Say those three words with me. Ready, go. An upright man. And God says that he holds fast his integrity. Okay? And then Job 31, Job was concerned that God understood his integrity. You can be seated. And let's jump right into it. I want to define some terms for you. Okay? Because the opposite of deception is integrity, okay? And so I want you to write down under defining the terms, the word integrity, and really the key word of the Bible study tonight, if you were to take home one word, it would simply be the word upright. You're going to constantly see that word in our Bible study. But let's talk about what else this word means. Upright, straight, undivided or correct, the dictionary, which isn't on the PowerPoint, but let me read this to you. The quality of possessing or adhering to high moral principles or professional standards. But listen to this one. The state of being complete or undivided. In other words, there's nothing I'm hiding. There's nothing I'm lying about. There's nothing that, uh, there's not two of me. I'm not one way at church and another way at home. I'm not one way at school and another way at church, I'm not one way at my dad's and one way at my mom's. Everybody with me? Deception is division. Okay? Deception is there's more than one version of me. There's more than one version of what I purport or what I project. There's things I'm not saying. There's things I'm hiding. There's things I'm covering up. There's a division within me. That I've got to hide. I'm not talking about uh, your, your typical everyday struggles with the flesh or with pride. I'm talking about an intentional, deliberate decision to be divided. I'm going to deliberately mislead this group of people to think I am this. And then I'm going to be different with this group of people or in different contexts. Divided. There's not just one of me that's the same everywhere and with everybody There are two of me. I am divided. And so the opposite of this concept of deception is integrity. And that's undivided. That's straight. That's upright. And in fact, if you want to do an interesting word study, if you want to grow in the Word of God, one way I would encourage you to do that is to study words in the Bible. Not just to read the Bible, you know, chapter by chapter by chapter, which is great. But pick a good word. And a great word to do a word study on is the word upright. And, to, and today, with computers, it's even easier than it's ever been. I used to do this, but I'd get my strongest concordance. And I'd sit down at my desk when I was a teenager and open my big 
If you've ever seen a Strong's Concordance, they're huge. They're, they're just like unabridged dictionaries. And I'd open that thing and I'd pick a word like lead or follow or guide or obey or forms of that word, obedience or things like that. And I would look up that word all throughout Scripture and I'd see where that word was used all throughout Scripture. A great word to do that with is the word upright. We'll do that a little bit at the end of the Bible study. So, integrity means, what's the word? What's the key word? Upright. Say it out loud. Upright. Upright. It's not divided. There's not two of me. Uh, I'm not hiding anything. I'm not a deceiver. I am a person of integrity. There's not two versions of me. The word in the Bible uh, literally means completeness. It, it also uh, references a type of prosperity. In other words, this is something that money can't buy. Integrity, the opposite of deception, brings something into your life that is more valuable. It's, it's a kind of prosperity that nothing else can touch. It also means simplicity or innocence. Innocence meaning I don't have any hidden agenda. I don't have any, there's nothing underneath the surface here that I'm trying to keep people from finding out. I'm just, what you see is what you get. I am here tonight and I am like I am tonight. I was today in school and I was this morning at home and I was this afternoon at home and I will be tomorrow I'm not trying to be multiple people. Some of you are so deceptive, and I don't know who. I, don't, I didn't come into this Bible study with anybody in mind. I just, I just know that some of you are so entrenched in deception. There's three or four different versions of you or more, depending on who you're with at a given time. Your life is, is not upright. Your life is divided, and it's divided multiple times. It's not just two of you. It's, it's three or four and all of a sudden, with who you're with, you can't remember who you lied to last and how you lied and what you covered up and how you covered up. And, and, and your life is really a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of imagination put, is put into covering your lies and trying to make sure that nobody finds out what's really going on. And, oh my goodness, that life is incredibly, incredibly destructive and discouraging and frustrating. There's something incredible, there's something wonderful about just being a person that's not a deceiver. A person that doesn't have anything to hide. Um, every now and then I'll come to school chapel, and I haven't done this for years. I haven't done this probably while any of you are even have even been in senior high. But you guys know how you write notes to each other? Well, teenage, before Facebook <laughs> and smartphones, teenagers used to do something called note writing. Um, I know it's hard to imagine this, and it seems so archaic now. It really was only four or five years ago. Um, but, and, and it seems like this was m- more common with uh, the rebellious kind of carnal crowd. Uh, but it, and it seemed like a couple times a year in the school or in the youth group, and sometimes this still happens, frankly. So I know sometimes you still do write notes. You still do resort to pen and paper. Probably the people whose parents have taken away all your cell phones and Facebook and all that. So you're like, oh, bummer. Now I've got to write my bad stuff on paper. Okay, I've uh, got to go back to pen and paper and figure out how to write again. But every now and then, we would come across these notes. Somebody would find one at the bookstore or in the parking lot, or somebody would find one out in front of the lockers if it fell out of your Bible. Amazing that Christian teenagers, their key place for storing bad notes with really bad words is in their Bible. That always was amazing to me, you know. Uh, where do I put this bad note to hide it? I'll put it in my Bible, right here in the Word of God. So when I have my devotions, I can read those bad words. So teenagers would go to their locker, they get their Bible out, 
because that's where they hide all their bad notes, and bad notes would just fall out on the ground, and they'd pick them up, but sometimes they'd miss one. And somebody would happen across this bad note. Sometimes it was another teenager with a good conscience. They'd pick up this note. It would have something sexual on it or some foul language or something, and, and uh, they'd bring it to us. And, and sometimes we could figure out who it was by the names. Sometimes it was between boys and girls or between two girls about a boy or between two boys about a girl, and it was inappropriate stuff, and we could try to piece together, you know, nicknames and, and weird things that you'd say about each other. And, and then we'd have to call, you know, these teenagers that wrote these bad notes and hid them in their Bible for their devotional time. We'd have to call them into the office and, okay, you know, here's what you've been doing. You've been, and, and now it's Twitter and it's Facebook and it's all this stuff. But when notes were real popular, about once or twice a, a year or every other year or so, I'd, I'd come into chapel and I would have a piece of paper all folded up like a note. And I would hold this note up, and I would say, we found a note today. And the whole room would go. I mean, it was like, people could have been spitting spit wads, bouncing off the roof, swinging from the chandeliers, laughing, totally distracted. If I got up and said, we found a note, everybody was like... And in that moment, you could cut the air with a knife. I mean, it was so thick and so serious, and everybody, I mean, it was like everybody had the oxygen just sucked out of their lungs. And there was this deathly pause. And in that moment, there were two groups of people in the room. There were those that were panicked and those that were not panicked. There were those that were like, Is it mine? Is it the one that I can't find in my Bible now? Some kids would like subtly be sitting in their chair looking through their Bibles, taking inventory of all their bad notes, you know. There were a few kids every time I did that that were sitting there going, I'm so busted. I am in so much trouble. It's over. Their whole life was flashing before their eyes. Their 14th birthday party, their 15th birthday party. They're imagining going home and their parents are going to kill them. I mean, they were just absolutely frozen in panic. Every girl that had written a guy a note with anything inappropriate, it was, did he drop it? That stupid idiot. Every guy that had written an inappropriate note, did she drop it? That stupid idiot. I mean, everybody in the room. Now, There was another group of people in that room that weren't panicked. They they were like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. Wonder who's nailed this time. They they kind of looked on it with a little more amusement. Probably never a lot of amusement, but I don't think anybody's happy when somebody else is going to get in trouble, unless you're really sick. Um, Now that I think about it, there's probably plenty of that too. Um, But there were people sitting there going, Bet it's her. Yeah, maybe it's her. No, maybe. There were a lot of people going, I know it's not me. All my bad stuff's on Facebook. <laughs> that's what it is now. I mean, if I tried it tonight, you'd be like, no, that's all on my fake ID on Facebook. Nobody even knows about that one. Some of you have fake IDs that not even your bad friends know about. It's like, what's the point? You know, you just get on there and cuss and log off and nobody knows. I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. But hey, whatever floats your boat, okay? 
There were always people in the room that, had, that hadn't written any bad notes. The worst thing they could possibly imagine is that somebody found the note, you know, would you go to spring banquet with me, yes or no? Please circle one, you know, that they gave to a friend to give to a friend to give to a friend to give to the girl. Or, you know, their seventh grade, I like you, do you like me? There were people, listen now, there were people that just weren't worried. They're just not worried about anybody finding anything. Can I tell you something? I, I just stop and think for a minute while we're looking at this upright, straight, undivided concept. In fact, put the next one up, Brother Chapel. Um, being real with God and men. Write that down. Being real with God and men. Just, just being real. I, I want you to do a little inventory in your heart, guys, because this is really, really huge. This is really important. You live in a culture, in a world that says it doesn't matter. Do what you want to do and lie about it. It doesn't matter how much you lie, who you lie to, how often you lie. As long as you don't get caught, it doesn't matter. But the Bible is filled with verses that talk about being upright and being undivided and being a person of integrity and warnings about not developing a life of deception. Now, if, if I pulled out a note if I had come to the platform tonight and said, well, somebody came to me and they logged me on to Facebook and they showed me your account. Now, I'll be honest before the Lord with you. I don't look for stuff that you guys post on Facebook. I don't have time. And, and, and I figure those that friend me or friend my wife or friend Brother Chapel or whatever, they're not going to post anything bad anyway. So, you know, when I get a chance to look at the timeline and see what everybody's happy about, I like that. Uh, if somebody messages me or something like that, I enjoy that. I don't have time to police it. I don't have time to share with it. And I wouldn't want to anyway. Uh, I don't have time. But if somebody, if I stood up and said, well, somebody logged me on and somebody was concerned about you and they showed me what you've been doing online. Or if I held up a folded piece of paper and said, I found a note. Is there anything in your life that you're living a deception about. Stay with me. Stay with me. Listen. Is there anything in your life that if your parents found out or if I found out or some, somebody that loves you that's an authority found out that are you worried about it? Because if you're living that way, you are living a life of deception. You may have been doing it for so long you've just forgotten about it. It's just become such a habit in your life. Is there, is there anything that, oh no, they found out there's a division in you, okay? There's a division in you. And instead of being a person of integrity, a person of, of purity and strength and uprightness, there is a division. There's a double-mindedness. There's, I love God, I'm having my devotions, I'm going soul-owning, but I'm also, and I'm hiding this, I'm covering it up, I'm living with deception. So integrity is, is what we're after. And, it, and this thing of deception is a huge, huge trap. Psalm 25, 21. I don't know if you have this in your outline, uh, but it says, let's, listen, let the integrity, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. This psalmist was in trouble, and he says in this verse, God, I'm going to let my integrity and my uprightness, my honesty in this matter, I'm going to let 
the fact that I know that I'm right with you and I'm not lying about this, I'm going to let that uphold me. I'm going to let that strengthen me. God, you know my heart and you know my integrity. I'm going to let my uprightness and my integrity take care of this uh, and see me through this situation. Huge, huge value. Now, let me jump into understanding the issues with you. And I've got some key statements here that I want you to fill in. I think you guys have blanks, do you? Okay. And we're going to see some more scriptures in a minute. Number one, everyone is tempted to live a life of deception. Everyone is tempted to live a life of deception. And by that I mean we're tempted to establish habits and patterns of adapting and adjusting to whatever the circumstances require. Hey, I'll be whatever I need to be, wherever I need to be. I'll change colors. I'll, I'll just kind of blend in and I'll lie about who I really am and I'll cover up so I can fit in or avoid being in trouble. Hey, I am so, so tired of teenagers who their whole goal in life is not to get caught. Their whole goal in life is to stay out of trouble. Can I call you to a higher calling tonight? Your purpose in life is not merely to stay out of trouble. You are way more valuable than that. You have way more significance than just avoiding trouble. And if your idea, if your concept of life is do what I want to do but hide it from my parents so I don't get them mad and get yelled at and get grounded and get my stuff taken away, get sent to my room, if that's your life, you're missing it. There's a lot more important stuff you should be doing and preparing for and growing in and, and engaging in purposeful stuff, valuable stuff. And if you're spending a lot of time covering your tracks and trying to stay out of trouble and a lot of the energy and a lot of thoughts being put into that, you're way off course in your life and you're establishing some patterns. Look at this. Next one. Deception becomes a pattern that creates a life void of trust and stability. I think you have the whole statement except for one blank. I only put part of these statements on the screen just to save a little time and just to abbreviate. But look at this statement after you fill in the blank. Look at it on your outline. Think about this. Deception becomes a what? You think it's just hiding a note or you think it's just a fake ID on on Facebook. You deleted your text messages or... You've got a, a, a secret phone that nobody knows about. You think it's just now, it's just ninth grade, it's just 12th grade. No. You are establishing patterns of behavior. You are establishing a life pattern. In fact, some of you that have gotten caught, and you know what, if I asked how many of you have gotten caught, every hand would go up. We've all gotten caught doing something, okay? You know what happens? A lot of times we get caught, that's God protecting you from allowing a pattern to continue developing. That's God stopping you before it gets worse. And some of you in ninth grade or 10th grade have got caught doing something. Maybe you cheated on a test, you got caught. And okay, there's, there's the embarrassment, there's the punishment, there's the demerits, there's the suspension, whatever you got. But let's face it, that's going to go away relatively quickly. I mean, you're going to... You get ex- the worst thing in high school, you get expelled. Okay, well, next year rolls around and hardly anybody even remembers that happened. But patterns of deception, once you establish them and you start living in those patterns, it becomes, it becomes almost like a tire that's stuck in the mud and it just digs itself deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and that 
pattern of behavior becomes entrenched in you. And what kind of patterns are these? Look at the rest of the statement. That create a life void of what? Trust and what? Okay, why do I say stability? Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But a life void of trust. Now, let me tell you where it's going. In ninth grade, it's, oh, your parents caught you cheating on a test. In 11th grade, your parents caught you with uh, something that they, you know, they wouldn't want you to have. In 12th grade, they caught you watching a movie you shouldn't watch. And, and, and you think, well, what they don't know won't hurt them. But what they don't know is hurting you. Because your habit of deception is becoming ingrained in your life. And eventually, that deception gets found out. It catches up with you. And then you lose trust. And once you've lost trust, it's hard to have a normal human relationship. It's, it's hard. Some of you have lost trust with your parents. You know what? You can gain it back. You can regain it. But you cannot establish, you can't, above all, guys, you can't establish a life of deception, habit patterns of deception, because if you do, the, 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 the road of your life will lead towards broken relationships You'll, people won't know who to believe and what to believe about you, and you won't know who to trust because you know you're not trustworthy. We tend, listen, we tend to impose our character on others. I don't know if you guys understand what I'm saying. But let me illustrate it. If I am envious of Morgan, if that's one of my problems, I envy him because he's, let's say I think he's an awesome football player. Okay, so Morgan's an awesome football player. Let's say I envy that in him. I envy that. So I have a character problem. I have an issue of envy towards Morgan. I will tend to impose my character on other people. If I'm envious, I tend to think that other people are envious. If I am a liar, if I deceive other people, if I routinely tell lies to my parents, here's what I think. Other people are probably telling me lies. Other people are probably lying to their parents. And I tend to impose my character on other people, and you do the same thing. We tend to uh, see in others or expect in others what we know is wrong with us. It's just built into all of us. Uh, And I didn't understand that when I was your age, but I see it all the time. All the time. Somebody's going, hey, you're, and, and really... You know, I'm the same way as I'm accusing that other person. If you start establishing habits, patterns of deception, you'll never trust anybody. You'll never know who to trust, who's lying, who's not, who's telling you the truth. And, and people that you relate to, I'm talking about your spouse, I'm talking about your kids, I'm talking about your boss, I'm talking about the people that you work with, your neighbors, uh, people in your church, your pastor. You won't trust these people because you're not trustworthy. And when your deception is found out, they won't trust you. And you begin to unravel all kinds of stuff in your life, in your future. And where did it all start? It started in seventh grade when I was hiding my Facebook from my parents. It started in ninth grade when I cheated on quizzes and me and my friends got together and shared test answers. It started when I was a kid and there was no real high price to my deception. So deception becomes a pattern. Number three, write this down. Deception will continually deconstruct your life from the foundation. Deception unravels it. 
I don't, I don't know if I can properly explain that to you, but here's what will happen. <coughs> Guys, you'll graduate from high school, you'll go to college, you'll get out of college, you'll start trying to build a career and build a family, and here's what happens. You're trying to build an education, you're trying to build a career, you're trying to save money for a house, you're trying to do all these things, and it's like you're stacking blocks building a life, but the deception of your life is taking blocks off the bottom and deconstructing what you're building. And you're going to find out that it's all going to come crashing down at some point. Your relationships are going to come falling apart. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with a teenager who has lost all respect and trust for their parent because of something that happened in the parent's life that broke trust, a total deception. A dad was leaving, a, a mom... Uh, is there's a divorce, there's, a, there's an affair, there's a, there's a this, there's a that. Uh, what? But all of a sudden, the kid's staring me in the face going, I respected and trusted my dad all these years, and now I find out he's totally lied, or he's totally this. And, and, and who am I talking about deconstructing their life? The father. But where did that start? Okay, I'm sitting there with a ninth grader who, who's lost all respect for his dad. Where did that dad start to dismantle his life when he was in 10th grade when he was in 8th grade and he started living a pattern of deception and lying and covering up and hiding his tracks and and that followed him his whole life until boom it all came crashing down and all of a sudden his wife and his kids and nobody in his life everybody realized wow there wasn't uprightness there there was deception so deception will continually deconstruct your life. The next one, deception creates a seared conscience, which results in a lot of other forms of devastation. Here's, here's one thing that's scary about deception. When I start doing it and getting away with it and, and constantly living a life of deception, when I, when I become a deceiver and get away with it, it kind of sears my heart, my conscience, towards being sensitive to other things. And all of a sudden, my conscience that used to convict me about being truthful and honest, now it doesn't even bother me anymore. I'm just lying through my teeth all the time. And that same conscience won't warn me about sexual sin, won't warn me about other, <laughs> excuse me, other character flaws in my life because it's become seared. And I become just ingrained in, in doing things and habit patterns and character patterns that will mess my life up royally for the long term. Deception sears the conscience. And then finally this statement, when you are a deceiver, you live a divided life. And all of your life becomes divided. All of your life becomes divided. Listen, integrity is this. I belong to God and I love one God, no other gods. I love one woman, no other women. I love and care for one family and I will never leave them. I will never walk away from them. I will steward my resources, my finances with honesty and uprightness and I will take what God has given me and live within those boundaries and I will give back to Him and I will take what he's given me and use it honestly. And I will earn what I have taken in. And I won't uh, accumulate it dishonestly. 
and, and, and all of these areas of life become a single, unified, upright, I am an honest person of integrity. And, and when you begin to live a life of deception, your life begins to fracture and all of life becomes divided. And if you get away with deception in ninth and 10th grade, you get really good at it, you will become a good deceiver in every area of your life. You'll deceive your spouse. You'll deceive your kids. You'll deceive your boss. You'll deceive your coworkers. You'll deceive your church family. You'll deceive your friends. You will become a deceiver. And, and it, will, it will filter into all kinds of areas of your life. If you're sitting here in this room and you know of someone in this room that is deceptive, in your heart of hearts, you know you don't trust that person. If they'll lie to you about somebody else, they'll lie about you to somebody else. They'll lie. Once somebody becomes a liar, a deceiver, once their life becomes divided, it just really becomes fractured in all kinds of ways. And there's really no continuity and no stability. So when you're a deceiver, you live a divided life. And James 1, a double-minded man, is unstable in what? All his ways if you're a deceiver now if you if your patterns of deception are ingrained here's what you can prepare for an unstable life in all of your ways your marriage will be unstable your family will be unstable your job will be unstable your finances will be unstable your your whole your, all of your relationships your life will be characterized by instability what I'm teaching you tonight could keep you married and could help your kids to grow up in, 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 with a mom and dad and a home that's strong and a life that's stable. Some of you have a stable life because your parents decided when they were in ninth and 10th grade to become people of integrity. Some of you take it for granted that you have a stable life. I'll tell you, for every family in this room or every parent in this room or every teenager in this room I should say that has a broken home or a struggling family there's there's an equal number in this room that have rock solid bedrock home life rock solid stability your dad loves God your your mom loves God they love each other they love you they're providing for you they're getting you what you need in life education all the things you need why because somewhere when they were your age they made a decision. I was talking to a dad a week or so ago, and honestly, this man, I told my wife, I really believe he's, he is, I'll say it this way, I've never met a father greater than this father. Uh, it's hard to say he's the greatest dad I've ever met. I mean, that, that, that's hard to quantify. But I know I've never met a dad that's a better dad than this man. And he said to me, um, as he was sitting in my office, he said, it's just he and I alone. I think it was he and I alone. He got big tears in his eyes. And he said, you know, I don't do a lot. He said, I, 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 he said, I, I, I don't have a lot of skills and talents and abilities. He was talking about he's not a guy that you see at the forefront of church all the time in, in leading ministries and doing things. And he in his mind, he, he's saying, you know, I'm not Mr. Out Front. Uh, he said, I don't do a lot. He said, but there's one thing that I am 
that I, and he started to cry. He said that I am just, that's just in me. He said, when my daughters, when God gave me my daughters, he just put on me and in me a, a passion to raise them for him and protect them and care for them. Now, his children have grown up with integrity, with stability, with an undivided home, with an undivided dad, a single mom. You know what? I couldn't care less if that man could preach or sing or dance or play piano or I don't care if he doesn't even know how to play the radio. That's a man of integrity. And that man's integrity has blessed a whole family and has blessed his church family and lots of other people that he's influenced he doesn't even know about. Why? Because somewhere when he was about your age or maybe even younger, somewhere along the way he said, I have a choice. I can either be a deceiver or I can be a person of integrity and I choose uprightness. I choose authenticity. I am going to be real. I'm not going to be a liar. I'm not going to establish patterns of deception and hypocrisy and, 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 and lying. I'm not going to sneak around. I am going to be a man of integrity. And today, there are some grown kids who had a whole life of integrity that they enjoyed because that man made that decision. And here's what I'm telling you. We're going to see it in a verse in a, little, in a minute. Your decision to live with integrity tonight, today, tomorrow, impacts your spouse and your family, your kids that you don't even know yet, that don't even exist yet. What kind of person you become right now matters. Real quickly, let's move on to, to number one, the profile of a deceptive Christian. I want you to see two phrases. And the character, anybody know who the character is in Judges chapter 14? You guys know the character of Samson? He's one of the, really one of the dumbest guys in all the Bible. Incredible, amazing potential. Chapter 14, verses 1, 2, 3, he's talking about a woman that he likes. He wants his mom and dad to go get her. Very self-centered, very rebellious, very unwise. Now this guy was, had, he had an amazing call from God, could have been used greatly by God. Really messed up, had, ended up with a very divided life. But look where it started. This is when he's relatively young. Verse 5 is when the lion, you guys know the story. He's not supposed to touch a dead carcass, an animal. That's part of his preparation for the service to God that he was ordained for. So verse 5, Samson went down with his father's mother to Timnath, shouldn't have even have been there, by the way, and came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. He rent him as he would have rent a kid. He had nothing in his hand, but he what? Look at it in the, in the Bible, verse 6. He told not his father or his mother what he had done. Go down a few verses. There's honey in the carcass of the lion. He's coming back by. He took thereof in his hands and went on eating. Came to his father and mother and he gave them. And they did eat, but he what? Told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So here you got a man. Could have been one of the great, great, great characters of the Bible. God ordained, he was an answer to prayer. God chose him. God was going to use him. But as a young man, he made a decision. I'm going to be a deceiver. And sometimes deception is as much about what you don't tell your parents as it is about telling them a lie. 
Well, I didn't lie. No, you just didn't tell the truth. You just decided, like Samson, not to tell. And a lot of times, that's where deception starts. So Samson, and you can look at it for yourself, but uh, less than two chapters later, verse 30 of chapter 16, and Samson said, let me die. And he commits suicide. So a life with all kind of promise and all kinds of potential that went straight downhill that started with deception. Real quickly, some statements. Samson hid things from his parents. I just I want you we real quickly have these takeaways. Samson broke his commitment to the Lord. So now he's got a divided life. Now he's got a deceptive life. And finally, Samson reaped the results of a deceptive life. He, he wrecked his whole life. Turn over to Genesis chapter 37 quickly. I want you to see one more verse. In contrast, let's take a look at the profile of an honest Christian. And again, we don't have time to see all the whole story and tell the whole story, but I want you to see what God said about Joseph before the story even really unfolds. Genesis 37, verse 7. Joseph is, is describing his dream to his brothers, and the Bible says, verse 7, For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood what? Say it again. Say it again. Say it louder. So Joseph's sheep stood how? There's that word again. Upright. And behold, your sheep stood round about and made obeisance to my sheep. Now the story that follows for the rest of the book of Genesis is the story of Joseph. You all know it well, but here are the statements. Joseph was betrayed. He was sold. He was lied about. He was forgotten. He was mistreated. But he always did that which was upright. The picture of his sheaf in his dream, of his sheaf standing upright, was more than just that he would be in a position of leadership, more than just that his brothers would one day bow down to him. It was a picture of Joseph's character, that Joseph would be absolutely, have every reason to get angry, bitter, lie, deceive, do whatever he could do to get back his old life. But he never took that road even if it meant going to prison unjustly even if it meant being forgotten being rejected being abused whatever he said i am going to be upright i am going to be a man of integrity joseph and here's your last statement eventually reaped the awesome blessings of an upright life an upright life and if you want to put this in parentheses an upright life is just a life that says i will do the right thing I will do the right thing. Now, real quickly, let's move on to shaping your convictions. Integrity guards from destructive influence. Hey, if I'm going to be truthful, it's going to keep me away from stuff because I don't want to have to lie or cover it up. It's going to protect me. Let the integrity up my, let, let integrity and uprightness preserve me. We read that earlier. Next, integrity blesses across generations. I described this a minute ago, but here's where the Bible says it. The just man walketh in his integrity... His children are blessed after him. Proverbs 27. The just man walketh in his integrity. Here's what I'm saying. Neil Brown decides tonight in 11th, 10th, 10th grade, Neil Brown can make a decision. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to walk in integrity. I'm not going to be a double-minded person hiding stuff. I'm going to walk in integrity. And the Bible says because of that decision, his children will be blessed after him that's pretty powerful 
Number three, integrity brings gracious favor. Proverbs 19.1, better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. So you're better off to have integrity than anything else. It, it brings gracious favor. Now, here's some key statements I want you to take away tonight. Only you can choose a life of integrity over deception. I can teach you this stuff. I can talk to you about it. I can explain it to you. I can beg. I can plead. But only you can say, okay, that's me. Sign me up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have integrity. And can I, let me have your eyes and look at me for a minute. I don't know, I'm not here to guilt you or shame you in any, in any sense. Some of you have talked to me in the last couple years about problems. And sometimes you've been caught, you lied to me or you lied to somebody else, and I was involved in helping deal with it. Can I tell you something? I don't spend half a second thinking about that. It's in the past. It's forgiven. In, most case, in, in every case that I can think of, you dealt with it. You took care of it. I'm not, I'm not holding this. I don't, th- I don't think of anybody in this room as a deceiver. You know if you're a deceiver. And whatever you've done in the past, learn from it, grow from it. You could decide tonight, you know what, I'm not going to go back that direction. My fear, my biggest fear is not when I, if I found out tomorrow that Isaac lied about something and we had to deal with it, he was embarrassed, he came to my office and he cried and he got 25 demerits because, you know, whatever, and we had to deal with it. Okay, we deal with it, we deal with it. My fear is not about Isaac getting caught telling a lie. My fear is Isaac not dealing with that and going a different direction. My fear would be Isaac continuing to live and establish patterns of deception that will wreck his future. That's my fear. It never surprises me that that we struggle. And I'm not shaming you or guilting you or holding any of the past over your head. I'm telling you, don't let those things become strongholds. Don't let those behaviors become patterns that you just do all the time so much you don't even think about it anymore. Only you can choose a life of integrity. Next, both deception and integrity will reap a harvest. When you read Galatians chapter 6 about sowing and reaping, it's either good news or bad news. Depending on what kind of life you're living. If you're living a deceptive life and you come across Galatians chapter 6, we will reap in due season. You're going, oh no. I'm in trouble. But if you're living a life of integrity and uprightness, you're excited about Galatians 6. You read that verse about sowing and reaping, you go, yes! There's going to be a payoff for living an honest life. There's going to be a payoff. It's going to be worth being a person of integrity because sometimes it's hard. And that's what we're about to see here. Deception is the easier path with a destructive payoff or a harder payoff. Deception is the easier path. It's easy to lie and you know, just kind of pretend everything's fine. But the payoff for deception is waiting out there. Integrity, last statement, is the more difficult path. But boy, is it worth it. It's got a much better payoff. Integrity is a more difficult path with a much better payoff. Now, take a minute in this conclusion, what I believe and what I decide. And I want you to write down your own decision. And here's my question. Don't put it away. Think. 
Just stop for a minute. We're almost done. Whatever you need to go do will still be there in 60 seconds. Stop and think. And make a decision. No decision tonight is probably just a decision to be a liar and wait till it catches up with you. Why don't you decide, I will be upright. I will live an upright life. James 4.8, and I don't know if this is in your outline. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know what God says? If you're sitting here tonight, you've been living a life of deception, God says, why don't you come to me and take care of me? God doesn't say, why don't you come to me so I can hammer you with a baseball bat. He already knows about it. God says, why don't you come to me and let's purify you so you don't continue to live with this double-mindedness. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.